Check Complete, a referee podcast, is an educational resource for referees by referees, designed to connect and develop soccer officials of all ages and skill levels to better serve the game both on and off the field. Episode 13 of the Check Complete podcast hath arriveth to your screen or your device. We are super excited to bring you another episode of the podcast. I'm Gordy Wellmore, your host, alongside our guest host for today, Anthony Sobolewski. Hi, Anthony. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It is a pleasure. We are thrilled to have you here. We've got uh, some great content for you this week. We, uh, Anthony and I are going to sit and chat. He had a really cool experience recently, so we're going to talk about that. And then we sit down virtually with Caroline Chenard, who is a Canadian referee, but she right now works as a FIFA VMO, a video match official. So she's on the FIFA panel working strictly as a video match official and a uh, pro VAR, so video assistant referee that works in the MLS as well. But she has a unbelievable story, a vast amount of experience on the field. She was on the FIFA panel from 2005 to 2020, done a zillion games. Um, it's a really wonderful interview. I, I hope you enjoy and stick around for that. So uh, we're going to chat with Anthony for a second. Uh, Anthony, Tony, whoever you are. Yeah. I go by Tony now that we're acquainted. So Now that we're in your friends now, so you can call him Tony. Absolutely. Unless you don't consider him a friend, then he's Mr. Anthony Sobolewski to you. That's right. right. First of all, I just want to say great job with the podcast. It's been so fun to watch and support. I think what you guys are doing here is great, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, thank you for your kind words. I appreciate that. Um, so tell us a little bit about, little bit about yourself um, and maybe loop into that how you got into refereeing. Yeah. So, um, again, here at Tony Sobolewski, and so I'm from Overland Park, Kansas, from this area. Grew up uh, playing soccer my whole life, so I played club soccer, um, got you know through club and playing in high school. And so basically um, played for Kansas Rush, went to Blue Valley High School in this area, um, was always around people um, that loved the game. You know, I loved it personally, and I wanted to find a way to kind of give back, you know, make some money as well on the side. Um, worked various jobs going through, you know, high school, and then I found um, refereeing in 2016. And so kind of going in that order, um, I started refereeing, continued to play high school, and then got to uh, get a scholarship to play at Columbia College, where I just graduated from this May. Um, of this year, so yeah, got a, had a great experience playing at the collegiate level. Um, kind of put my boots up um, on the playing side, and I knew as I, you know, I've been refereeing those summers and off seasons, um, kind of moving up the ladder and, and getting other, other games from youth level to adult leagues. And so now it's um, really, really exciting that I've been able to continue this career and, and focus more on the refereeing side of things. Um, and I'm enjoying it a lot, and it's been great. Met some really cool people just like you. Wow, I guess I'm cool. There you go. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's a great story, and I it is it is kind of funny. So Anthony and I we first met on the field, but exactly. you were playing. Yep. And so that was what? How old were you? Like 17? I was gonna say dating back to 2017. I think that's the year. Yeah. Yeah. So you were 17, and I was uh, master classing one of your games. I'm sure. Um, and uh, I do I do remember you remember this. You remember this. So there was a corner kick, goal kick decision. And I remember, like it was, this is such a stupid thing to remember. Think of all the, the things that would be worth remembering, and this stuck out. Corner kick, goal kick decision, my AR is clueless, right? I, I look over and just nothing. And it's, it's, in, it's in where he's expected to be involved in the decision, right? Mm -hmm. So I look over and I'm like, so I do what all of us have learned to do and just be super confident with what your decision is. And that is, whatever it was, I just went, beep, 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 
corner. And your coach, oh, who is a great guy, yeah. he and I are good friends. I, don't, I think we're good friends. I don't, I'm not going to name him, but we're. But I mean, he's great. He he laid into me pretty good. Yeah, I remember a that. A few players did too. You know. Yeah, a few players did. I, was, I, was, I knew. I know the referee side, so I was trying to be nice. But he's like the <laughs> nicest person ever. So he basically just stood there and just kind of. Yeah, I guess it is what it is. Just kind of was like, <laughs> but yeah, he was just kind of sitting there watching it. So, but then like a week later, I like see you in the referee room and I was like, who's that kid? He's like super nice. And I, he had every right to yell at me and he didn't. And the rest is history. Exactly. So look at that. You never know who you meet. And now I've I got some of my best friends through refereeing and, and I've met you know many, many more hopefully to come. So, right. So this past summer, it, we've, we could talk about your refereeing career quite a bit because it's really, you know, the trajectory, you are clearly on the upward trajectory, which is so exciting to see. But I want to highlight, and we're going to do some other uh, highlights of referees that got to work some premier level events this summer, uh, this past summer. And so you, we took you to regionals from Kansas. You had an outstanding tournament at the Midwest Regionals, which took place uh, in the in the Indianapolis area. Uh, in the end of June, I'm forgetting the specific dates, but we were there uh, in Indiana, Indianapolis area at the end of June. So you had a phenomenal tournament, and you got selected to work at the U.S. Youth Soccer National Championships. Yeah, it was a great honor to be not only representing Kansas, but you know the whole Midwest at the national event. So yeah, um, it so was awesome. Talk to us about that experience. What was that like for you? Yeah, if you so, could, I know that's. I mean, it's like a week, so I know that's hard to compact. But of course, yeah, and it's been it's been some time. But you know, going back to it, um, just first of all, getting to meet so many cool people from all across the nation. So at regionals, you know, we kind of know a lot of the same referees. You know, we've been at this event multiple times, but this was my first you know call up to the national event. And you know, the first things first is just the professionalism. You know, all the referees there. You know, you know they like to have fun, but they're there. You know. To, to do well and to perform and I loved you know being able to work with so many high-level referees from all across you know from you know the this the, 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 you know all across the country um, mm -hmm. to you know even domestic referees from that floor you know, from Florida and so I think it was yeah. a great experience because I learned a lot I got to thankfully um, showcase my talents but also take everything in I was selected as an assistant referee and so yeah. that's something that was great because of course I got to literally be watching in from the sidelines and you know, helping out, of course, doing my job, but also learn from the referees that were in the middle, and be able to take little things from each and um, every referee from each and mm -hmm. every game, getting feedback from pro referees on the names of Nima Sagafi, Jeremy Hansen, um, being able to you know sit down in a debrief after every game because every yeah. game was mentored by those um, types of referee coaches, and just learn a lot. So. It's a great experience, and I'm hoping to one day go back. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That that is a wonderful experience, and to be able to to learn from those, I think that's and that's not something you just do at nationals, right? Anytime exactly. you get a chance to work with a referee, this is a, probably a whole other segment of things. But get a, every anytime you get a chance to work with a referee, you get a chance to learn. Yep, get a chance to learn, and that's so the goal. I know that's a huge part of of you is that you're always looking for opportunities to learn. So there there were some definite uh, some great moments there. I'm sure some highlights. Yeah, um, especially as an Arsenal. Fan. Fan. You had a good moment yeah. there. Me and my actual roommate got to get you know invited, Brendan Sweetman, <laughs> and so we got to go as Arsenal fans go see the Arsenal versus Chelsea preseason match in Orlando, and now top of the table as of today. So well, the season's very young; they have <laughs> a chance to really yes. go down the toilet. So sure, so. <laughs> but hopefully, we continue, and it was awesome to see them, you know, whoop Chelsea. Let's just say that, and there you and, go. and then continue on now. So that was one of the highlights, and then otherwise, yeah, it was just. 
getting the referee, you know, basically the, the best of the best from the youth level, um, doing different games from, you know, ages of, you know, the 13s through 19s and being able to see, you know, that difference in skill from the regional event to national. It was, it was superb. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's what a wonderful experience that is. Um, so, and you got, and I'm sure there's probably folks that are watching this that come, you know, they're from all over this, the, the kind of this big pendulum swinging of experience and age and all that kind of stuff. So, um, there's some that are probably watching this going, man, I would love to be where Anthony is at. You know, I'd love to, to end up where he's at. So, first of all, uh, you might not get here, okay? That that requires a significant amount of nutrition, and it's all natural, though. All natty. All natty. Stay all natty, natty out there, kids. I am all natural as well. Most people don't realize that. Also, he's been bulking for the last thirty years. I so. have thirty-two, almost thirty-two wait, years. Just wait so. for the cut. It'll be great. Yeah. Am I supposed to cut, or does it happen naturally? Well, you, you're supposed to, but well, shoot! Well. I've been waiting for the cut. I've been bulking this whole time. Anyway. Um, but so for those that have gotten to, that are, would like to get to that place, I mean, for you, are there, I'm kind of dropping this on you, but are there any keys for you, just just about your journey? Is it just? Yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm far from where I want to be, and, you know, sure. no, nobody's perfect, and, you know, my whole goal is, right, learn from every game, whether it's a high school game or, mm. or a, you know, your local domestic league, right, youth level. But for me, it's been also, yeah, taking in every piece of advice, being approachable and coachable, in a sense, from your mentors. You know, I've taken in everything that I've kind of been told, that way I don't repeat the same mistakes. And, you know, hard work, I think my biggest thing is hard work pays off. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily always, you know, off the field, but just being, you know, at taking every second to work hard, put in the work, you know, obviously care about your you know, your nutrition, your hydration, your sleep, do the little things. But again, at the end of the day, you can control what you can control. And then from there on, just let the performances speak for themselves. So that's what I've done. And I'm excited to continue you know, climbing that ladder that we talked about and just, yeah, doing my best every single game and hope to see it pay off. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Well, um, we're excited to see your journey, Anthony, as you continue to grow and develop and have opportunities. Um, you just, uh, is it okay to say you just passed? Yeah. Your, <laughs> what did you just accomplish? Uh, and at the start of 2023, I'll be the next Kansas uh, referee at the region with a regional badge. So the there you go. Just finished his regional upgrade assessments. So we're very you. proud of you for that, which is, again, just a stepping stone on the way to success, continued success as you move up that metaphorical ladder. So we're very proud of you. This is not the last time we'll see Anthony. He's Sorry. around. He, he has no choice. He's <laughs> around. But we're really, really proud of you and excited to see, um, you know, where that goes. Thank you. So I appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. Stick around now as we have a conversation with FIFA VMO and Pro VAR Carol Ann Schnard about her journey as a referee. The Check Complete podcast is brought to you in part by JF Consulting Tax Preparation and Bookkeeping. Taxes suck, we can help. Visit jfcokc.com. Well, we are super excited. Anthony and I are super excited to sit down uh, electronically, thank goodness for Zoom, um, with Carol Ann Schnard from. Um, uh, from Canada. So we've we've become international here. This is super exciting. Uh, Caroline, thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So um, I do want to go over. So you find yourself, um, you find yourself in the booth now, but I, so you work as a video assistant referee uh, with Pro in the MLS, as well as a video match official with FIFA on the FIFA panel. So you've been 
Um, just to go back, this is this is all on the the uh, the pro website, but I want to I want to brag on you a little bit because <laughs> you've had quite the career and it's continuing. So you were on the FIFA panel as a referee from 2005 to 2020. So quite a long time. Um, you've had a lot of international experience working uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2011 and 2015. Um, and I know part of your story is uh, the 2019 uh, World Cup, so I'll let you tell that story. Uh, you worked the Olympic Games in 2012 and in 2016. Um, the FIFA U-17 Men's World Cup as a referee in 2017. The CONCACAF Women's Under-20 Championships in 2018. The FIFA U-20 Women's World Cup in 2018. And the CONCACAF Women's Championship as a VAR this year in 2022. So, at the resume. Yes, you are. You're busy. You've been busy. Makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> All of this before she was 20. So amazing career. I yeah. like you. I like you. Yeah, like there it. we go. <laughs> so, um, so that's a little bit about about kind of professionally what we can see about you. But tell us a little bit about your story, um, who you are, and then maybe just just dive into how you got started into refereeing too. Sure. So uh, like you you said, I was a referee, but also I've done a couple other things in my life. Before I became a referee, I was a, an international athlete. So I was a short track speed skater on Canada's um, national team for, uh, for a few years. I retired from uh, the national team in 2002 and competed in some World Cups and some World Championships and, and the like. So I came kind of from the the athletic side. And I can, you know, continued through my referee career to consider myself an athlete, you know, as you know, we train and, and prepare just like athletes do. Um, I also did my PhD uh, at McGill University. And I guess officially, it's in microbiology and immunology, which I guess is kind of ironic, since we're in a pandemic, a viral pandemic. So, um, but I actually work for um, Health Canada, so the federal government in Canada, and I I'm basically the director of Canada's equivalent to the DEA. So I work on drug control. Um, we don't have the like enforcement side of things. So I'm no, not a police officer in any way, but I do all of the kind of regulatory and responding to the overdose crisis that we're having in Canada and as well in the United States. So that's kind of my, my professional life. I have a niece and a nephew, so I'm a super auntie. That's uh, what I do in my spare time. And I try and spend time with my family. But yeah, I mean, you kind of made me feel a little bit old, 2005, 2006, when I when I came onto the international panel. But I basically started, I guess, like most people, right? I was playing soccer in this local local league, nothing too competitive. And uh, our my my coach made us take a refereeing course. So the entire team took a refereeing course, and it was partially so that we understood the laws. You know, we we weren't yelling at referees. And if you pass the refereeing course, we also they offered us the opportunity. Do you want to start refereeing some games? So started refereeing kind of small sided soccer. I thought it was a great way to make a little bit of money for university. I put it away for university and, you know, did some did the swarm soccer for a little bit and then started doing kind of house league soccer. And it was actually a Friday night. Um, I was refereeing old timer men's soccer. So I guess that's over 35, which now makes me feel very old that that's called old timers men's soccer. But, you know, the league that, you know, no young referee wants to referee because everybody's telling you that they've been playing soccer longer than you've been alive. And it's a very difficult kind of league to referee. And then add to that, it's on Friday night. So, you know, it kind of took away from your your ability to go out with your friends, but it was one of those teams that wrote to kind of my provincial association. So the equivalent of your state association. 
you know, in, it was old school, like it was in, in a, a printed letter into a printed newsletter, but they basically said somebody should come watch this girl referee. We think she really has some talent. And it was like that letter that kind of started it all. It was that letter that led my local association to start coming and watching me referee and led the province to look for opportunities for me to referee. And I always say the rest is history, but you know, you know, we'll talk, probably talk about it later, but you never know who's watching and you never know, you know, those, the small thing of writing that letter. I don't know what club it was. I wish I knew, I wish I knew the person that wrote it, but um, it really changed my life. Right. Uh, I would never have gotten into, I don't think I ever would be where I am today without that letter. It really does take that opportunity for somebody to see you and see something in you um, and support you. So I guess that's how I got started. And then, um, you know, as you know, we go through all the processes and and then I was able to become a FIFA referee. But that's kind of how I got kind of got discovered, I guess, in Ottawa, Ontario, uh, in Canada. Wow. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll get into your to your journey maybe a little bit more, but I I do want to highlight that the importance of someone taking not just believing in you, but taking an extra step that at that moment probably felt somewhat inconsequential for them. I'm sure they probably thought, I don't know if anybody's going to read this. It's coming from a team, you know, and I, um, I think that that's just really, I, it, that's where really, if you're listening to this podcast and you are not in the referee space, but you're involved in soccer, if you see someone, especially a young person, feeling like someone believes in you, that is, I mean, that, that put you, it sounded like that was, I'm not probably not the only thing, but that helped put you on a trajectory of success. Absolutely. I mean, you know, how you guys are referees, you know, how hard it is to kind of toil in the local leagues, you know, day in and day out, you're refereeing weekend tournaments, five, six, seven games. It's difficult. You come home, you question, you know, why am I doing this after difficult games, you know, or when you're missing things with your family, you're thinking, why am I doing this? And then sometimes those small things, and it was, it was a coach or a player, right? It was probably a player coach, you know, old timers, it's always yeah. a player coach, right? It was somebody took the the time to write that note and say something positive about me. And that just kind of put me on somebody's radar. And then it was still up to me and to, to try and manage my career and show sure. them what I was, was worth. But it was it was just that small thing that kind of put me on somebody's radar that said, okay, let's go out and see Caroline referee and see if she has something that uh, that we can build on. That's beautiful. There's That's awesome. Probably no chance that person is watching this podcast, but if you are, thank you. <laughs> Reach out. Yeah, yeah. Send us a DM. We'll connect you with Caroline. So. <laughs> That's that's so beautiful. So let's let's dive in a little bit. I know this is a, a really long conversation, if it could be, um, but just your your progression. I mean, I think a lot of referees who are climbing that metaphorical ladder are always curious about what that looks like. So what was that process like for you? Sure. So after kind of the when I first got kind of discovered and I was doing, you know, house league soccer, I kind of just got more and more opportunities. So, you know, I was one of very few females in Ottawa. So when there were bigger games that were coming to Ottawa that involved women's teams, I often got the opportunity to referee in those. So that was really good. There was a pretty good um, community refereeing community. There were a lot of males, but they were pretty supportive of me as a young, as a young female coming through. So I, I started doing more provincial level games. Um, it was a bit difficult because at this time I was balancing both being a speed skater and coming home in the summers, being away from university, coming home for the summers and refereeing, needing to to train and also commit to some training camps and things that that athletes have to do. 
So I did find it a little bit difficult at the beginning. Um, I will say, you know, I tried to give time to both, which wasn't always easy, but I tried to kind of dedicate time to both. And it was when, um, so I was living part of the year in Quebec, which is another province in Canada for school and then coming home kind of to referee in the summer. And when I started my PhD, I was really kind of at the tipping point of moving from like a state level referee to a national referee. And I was lucky in that the province that I was kind of temporary living in also supported me as a referee and was really kind of willing to support my move to the next level as a national referee. But what was really important was, and what I think this, this Quebec did really well for me was they always, they had like a state tournament, a provincial championship at the end of the year. And they invited all of the kind of up and coming referees to go to that tournament. We went there, they paid for us to go. We stayed in hotels, we ate together. And it was really the first time I felt a real referee community. I was meeting people and talking to them longer than just the pregame and the third, you know, the 20 minute after the game, when you were leaving, it was there where I really found the refereeing community, which I think was really important. I eventually received my national badge and that's kind of where, you know, I started refereeing professional men's soccer in that first year. So back in the day, it was either the A-League or the USL, like it always, NASL, it like flipped back every year and I was refereeing, refereeing that. And then I, I refereed that for one year and then became, um, became a FIFA referee. But what I do want to point out is when I was 18, 19, 20 refereeing, if you asked me to my face, did I want to be a FIFA referee? I would have nodded and said yes, because I knew that that's what everybody wanted me to say. But in my head, I was saying, who wants to be a referee, like a, like a, like a professional referee? You know, I was, I always thought I'm going to go to the Olympics. I'm going to be as an athlete. I'm going to go as a speed skater. You know, I thought, why would I want to do this long term and get yelled at every weekend? And, you know, but it was really kind of an evolution. You know, my goals changed, things changed in my life. I retired from skating. You know, there were opportunities that provided that, that presented themselves from uh from a refereeing standpoint. So, you know, a little bit about timing, a little bit about changing of goals, a little bit about those opportunities, those carrots that are dangled in front of you. Like, you know, when you do well and you get another opportunity, it's kind of feeds your fire to keep moving. But I don't want people to think when I was 20, 21, 22, that I said to myself, yeah, I'm going to be a FIFA referee because that isn't it. It was really an evolution of people supporting me mm. and keeping me involved in the game when it gets difficult because everyone knows it's difficult and we can. So it was, you know, it, it, it was a, it was definitely a journey for sure. And I always say way harder to be a local referee than a FIFA referee because everything you hear on a local pitch is super personal. You hear it. It's about you. You can hear every single thing that people say. You know, in a big stadium, yes, it's loud. It's lots, you know, it can be lots of booze, but it, I don't hear word like Carol Ann. I don't hear that girl. I don't hear, you know, really personal comments about myself. And I'm also have more experience than those young referees that are having to, to be in the middle of those pitch every day, right? It's really tough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's amazing. All the paths are different, but there's a lot of commonalities, especially as we've heard all the interviews. It's It's really a beautiful story. So highs and lows along the way. I'm sure you experienced both of those things. What were what were some of each for you? Sure. So, I mean, coming through the system as a young referee, so when I was refereeing local soccer, it was tough, you know. I was a young female 
refereeing, you know, men either the same age as me or older and dealing with adult coaches, which can be difficult. So, you know, you, that interaction from a young person to an adult can always be difficult, especially when it's heated and there's disagreements. And so that was always difficult. I remember a few times coming back home and saying like, why am I doing this? And, you know, my dad uh, was an international speed skating referee and he really, um, he was the one that kind of kicked me in the butt. Like, you know, always said the things just to annoy me enough to make me want to work harder you know, mm-hmm. where my mom was a little bit more, give me the hug and pat me on the back. My dad really kind of kicked me in the butt and, you know, said, well, don't you think you can do it? You know, you know, do you think those guys are better than you? You know, just the little things that I needed, the kick in the butt I needed. So th- th- that was really difficult. That period that transition, like, is this really something I want to commit to is always really difficult, right? You're starting to go to university, you're taking on a job, it's, it's harder to balance things in your life. So that was always really difficult. I think, at the at the international level, you know, as you said, I was a FIFA referee for, you know, 15 years. Um, and I always wanted to be amongst the top referees in the world. It's not possible to always be at your peak, as you know, or trying we're training. And so there were some difficult times, you know, as you're transitioning, maybe you're not as fit as you wanted to, or you know, you're struggling with a new philosophy or a new training system, and you're trying to figure out how, how can you make it work for you? And I did, I definitely had that kind of in between, like after the Olympics in 2016, and in preparation for 2018, I kind of had this six, seven months where I was really struggling, kind of with the new training. And um, it just, it just wasn't the type of training I was used to. And I'd been training my whole life. And I was trying to integrate you know the new training I was really struggling and I found it really difficult because I felt like I was knocking my head a little bit against the wall trying to explain what why I was struggling and maybe people not necessarily listening so that was really tough Mm -hmm. and I mean I've had some really amazing experiences right like I I've been on the field for some of the biggest games in women's soccer you know I've been on in the middle you know Wembley Stadium um, you know, with 72,000 people, I've been in the Maracanã in, in Brazil. Um, you know, I've been involved in some firsts, you know, all over. I've met like some of the, you know, some of the most important people in my life I've met through soccer. So, mm. um, I don't even think I can list the number of, of highs. And I think that's what soccer is, right? We, we fight through the lows for those opportunities that we get for those wonderful moments that we walk out on a field where, whether it's our parents are there, or whether somebody's watching us on TV, or whether it's just a big next step for us, I think that's, you know, that's what makes the lows and the struggles and the waking up at four o'clock to train. And if you live somewhere, I know you guys are somewhere hot, but it is often very cold in the middle of the winter here. Mm-hmm. And it's very dark when we have to get up and train. And that's what makes it worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. John Freeman, our last guest was talking about having a why. And so I think that's kind of what you're what you're talking yeah. about there is, is knowing, okay, because it isn't always sprinkles and rainbows and butterflies and everything. Right? <laughs> we all wish it was, but everyone knows refereeing is, you know, even on your best day, you're 50% of the people think you were right and 50% think you were wrong. So even when you know, when you're a hundred percent right, you still have 50% of the people who disagree with your decision. So uh, it, it's definitely not a profession for the faint of heart for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, so uh I think, you know, I'll ask this now and then we'll get into some of our, our fan questions. But uh, and I and I warned you that the that this was coming as far as going back and telling your your first year 
first game, you already tracked us through what that experience was like early on. But if knowing what you know now, could you what would you go back and tell brand new Carol Ann? So, you know, the brand new first year was actually kind of fun. It was like swarm soccer, little kids, you know, it was it was a little bit easy, but I would say it was more like the second and third year that got a little bit more difficult. Um, I think I would say surround yourself with really great people, right? Like find those people, whether it's in soccer or outside of soccer, you have to have that support system. If you don't, it's, it's really, I think it took, it takes referees sometimes too long to find those people. And, and also to, it, it's okay to not know the answer, right? I think when we, you know, when we first start refereeing, we think we need to know every answer. We don't want to reach out to people because we're worried they're going to think that we don't know what we're doing. But that's why I said, if we find the right people and we're not afraid to ask the questions, always learn, which I think I hope I've always continued to do. But I think um, get the get the right people around you and then, you know, it's going to be worth it. The really crappy days, like if I could tell, you know, fifth, I started when I was 14, like if I could tell 16, 17, 18 year old me, like it will be worth it, I swear, um, I would do that. And, you know even outside of soccer. So when I was applying for work after I finished my PhD, I always struggled. Like, do I say I'm a soccer referee? Like on my, on my resume, like, mm-hmm. are people going to think, okay, well, I don't want to hire her because she's going to be away or, and I really found that it helps in all aspects of your life. The the mm-hmm. companies and the people that I aligned with, like from a job and philosophy standpoint, all looked at your refereeing experience as a positive right? As a positive in people management and experience and self-confidence and all of that. So I think, you know, it doesn't have to be, it's worth it. You're going to be a FIFA referee. I think it's, it, you're worth it. You're going to have great experiences that are going to contribute to your development as a person. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's important as well. That's great. Well, and I think, yeah, I mean, kind of redefining success in there, right? Like helping people understand that what is successful isn't because not everybody's going to get to a white badge, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I I think about it in my own life, right? That's, I'm no, I'm nowhere near there. I've had plenty of people tell me I'll never get anywhere near there. <laughs> but, <laughs> most fans. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But um, no, I mean, but I think when you're, when you're able to rearticulate what success looks like and having a bigger picture, like you said, I think that's, oh, that's so good. Just thinking about, um, what are the life skills that I'm learning? What are understanding something that's bigger than soccer? And I think that that's such a beautiful testament. Um, and, and that helps, I, I'd like to think that helps um, swallow medicine that's hard to swallow when you get to the point where the answer is no, right? Or when there's j- stuff along the journey that's, you know, pushes you in a different direction. I don't know. Well, and when, even when it goes wrong in a game, right? When you leave that game and you say like, what just happened? Either I'm, you know, we're our own worst critics. So either I'm angry at myself for what happened. I'm embarrassed. I'm frustrated. You know, that there is a bigger picture. It's really important in the moment. The game is important. The match is important to the referees and it's important to the players and the coaches and everything. But ultimately it's a, it is a game and there are bigger things and more important things. Um, and you have to be able to move on because if you get stuck in the churn of the bad situation and you can't learn from it and move on, it's going to be a really long, long and painful likely career because, you know, we're never perfect. We're, we make mistakes every single game. 
And you have to be able to just move on from that and just kind of adjust that. So you have to kind of, I always felt like balance was really important. So ref, if you're a professional referee, if you're an athlete, if you know, you have an important job, having that ability to have a something that balances you in your life away from soccer or away from your job helps in that it, it helps switch that mindset, right? It switches. I know when I was skating and I moved away from home the first time and I was going to university and, you know, in theory, I was training at the national training center. I should have been going like this. And my first year, I kind of went down a little bit because I was adjusting to all of this new stuff. And I found that I got stuck a little bit in this. Why am I not skating better? Why am I not skating better? And until I could kind of extrapolate myself into something different. So whether it was school, whether it was soccer, right? Mm. In soccer, I have to give 100%. I have to concentrate 100% on the game. I can't be thinking about what's going wrong in the rest of my life. And that helped. It helps kind of take away that stress. And I think so for me, balance is important. I think being too focused on one objective, you have to be focused, but you also have to have something that balances that so that we don't get too one dimensional. Absolutely. I just wanted to add another thing in the big pictures realm that, you know, those mistakes that we have as referees, I think they can go back to helping teach the younger referees or the next, the next generation of referees on, you know, these are things that we can learn from and, you know, who's going to replace you eventually, right? Who, who can you influence with your experiences and with those mistakes that you have made and then create, you know, a brighter, better future in the referee development. So. Absolutely. I think refereeing is a profession of experience, right? If you go back to that first, you know, I can still remember my first men's professional game, how nervous I was for that first game. And then a week later, I did a second game, which the game itself was much more difficult. But it felt easier because I'd had the experience of the first game. And I think you're never able to, you know, we say you're never going to see that video clip that you saw exactly the same way. And I kind of feel like as a referee, what I love to share, I feel like my experience on the pitch can help other people. Like you said, I'm not saying I go around and say like, oh, everybody, I really screwed up and this is going to help you. But I do think you have to be open and say, I made this mistake and here's what I did to fix it. And here's what I did to make it better. You can't always think you and you can't always tell people, oh, I don't make mistakes. I was perfect. This is my my career was always like this. And I, I never made a big mistake. And I, I agree. I think you have to be able. And that's where that community comes in, right? The community where you feel safe to share, where you reach out to your colleagues and say, holy crap, I just had this situation. I don't know if I made the right decision. Can we talk it through? Mm-hmm. Right. That's where it's so important. Yeah. And having those people you can call after games and share those experiences that's all important. That's why that friendship and community is great. So absolutely. Good stuff. Well, let's get into some, some fan questions here, some juicy fan questions, I suppose. Uh-oh. Um, I don't know how juicy they are, but they're yeah. questions nonetheless. So lead us absolutely. off with one. All right. So Brendan from Kansas asks, what are some of the main differences between domestic and international VAR protocols? And is there one that you prefer? Sure. So, I mean, I think the protocol itself is pretty similar, but Obviously, there's a few differences. So at FIFA, there's many cameras, many, many more cameras. And I think that the technology um, is, is there's just more technology involved, right? You've heard about automate, like semi-automated offsides. There's the line drawing, which we don't use in domestic, um, in domestic leagues. So the offside line where they're using lines to see if a player is offside or not. 
Um, there's also, so at, uh, at FIFA, there are, we call them factual reviews. So if it did the foul occur inside or outside of the penalty area, did the, um, for offside, a player who becomes involved by playing or touching the ball, those are considered factual reviews. So the, the referee, we actually don't send them to the video screen. So we would just say, you know, I recommend a factual review. The foul occurred inside the penalty area if they've given it outside and they don't actually go and look at it because, you know, they're saying it's factual. Now in the MLS and in domestic leagues, we, we, well, in, in the MLS, we send them to the screen for everything. In CONCACAF, we have a little bit of, uh, we have factual reviews, but we don't use the lines. Um, and sometimes I would say the level of intervention is a little bit different. So in, in the MLS, we have clear and obvious and it's very, you know, there's, there's quite strict guidelines at FIFA. Sometimes the clear and obvious bar is a little bit lower where they're looking for is the decision correct? Is it not? Um, that type of thing. But, um, the overall protocol is the same. I think it's just some of the, the implementation in, um, in, in the domestic leagues and in, in CONCACAF can be slightly different. Yeah. Dovetailing off that slightly off the script a little bit, um, <laughs> just VAR as it's been rolled out, it has been fascinating from a lower level referee slash fan standpoint, how that's all unraveled and how it's continuing to play itself mm -hmm. out. Um, and you're obviously a very vital part of that rollout. Um, what's the experience been like for you? Are you is it fair to ask, are you pro VAR? I, I don't know if that's a fair question. Sure. So, I mean, when I, um, in preparation for the World Cup in 2019, obviously when they decided that um, that VR was going to come into the women's game, right, we we did, had no experience with it other than watching it on TV like everyone else. So we were, we kind of, uh, the those of us that were in the program for the World Cup in 2019 started training. And, and what I feel is no referee goes out to make a, a mistake in a game-changing decision, right? We don't go out in a World Cup. We don't want to make a, an incorrect penalty decision or miss a goal or miss a red card in those big games that, you know, may lead a team to be knocked out of a World Cup qualifier. So anything that can help the referee kind of, you know, from that perspective is really helpful because no referee goes out wanting to make a mistake. I think, you know, the way that VAR has been introduced to try and avoid, you know, breaking the game up too much, I think has been really positive. I think for sure there have been, you know, there have been some stumbling blocks, whether it's, you know, lo regionally or whether it's, uh, you know, um, internationally, obviously there's, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing um, sometimes to understand, you know, just like when we try and we try and teach people interpretation of the law, you know, all of those considerations that we as referees learn that, aren't found in the laws of the game, but are behind the laws of the game, right? And and that we learn when we're taking courses. It's a little bit the same as as the VAR. And I think mm -hmm. part of it is teaching people what does clear and obvious mean? What what does it look like when a VAR intervenes? And I think part of the kind of as we move forward, you, you're seeing more descriptions in the stadium about what's happening. You're seeing more communication with the TV so that they they're not sitting there going like, we have no idea what's being reviewed. And they're talking about, you know, they're really trying to educate kind of the spectators because it's a difficult thing. I can't imagine sitting in a stadium, there being a review and you have no idea because they're not showing anything on the screen. There's no communication. So I think that's going to be the next stage where you're getting more, you're getting more and more communication. I think you're already seeing 
people showing the behind the scenes. There's been a few times where they're showing the communication between the VAR and the referee. But so as a referee, I'm pro anything that can help the referees get the decision correct. Obviously, soccer is a a human sport. So I, I don't ever want to take away the human aspect of it. And I think, you know, just with VAR, it doesn't mean the referee is going to get every decision correct, right? right? It's still the referee on the field's decision and VARs can only intervene in certain scenarios. But I think the human, the human aspect of the sport is still there, but we're also, tr- we're getting to the point where we're eliminating some of those real big mistakes that can occur in a game and can have a big impact. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, very good. Yeah. I think that's a, a very, uh, well-intentioned goal. And I think the MLS has rolled it out in a pretty positive way. At least uh, I don't watch a lot of other domestic leagues <laughs> that closely, but it's been fun to see how the MLS has rolled it out. So, so this comes from Jeremy in Montreal. Canadian uh, fan. There you go. <laughs> uh, so he says, hi. And he says, um, from your first few years, starting out as a referee to working now as a VAR, how have you seen the refereeing landscape change? He says for better or for worse. That's a big question. Huge question. So I think first the game has changed, right? The game just develops, it evolves, it becomes faster. It, you know, you see different tactics come into the game, which therefore impacts how referees have to develop. So if I think back to my very first international tournament and the real tournament that sticks out for me for a real, you know, kind of shifting point in women's soccer is the 2011 World Cup. It was a, you know, Everything people love about soccer was in that tournament. People who never watched women's soccer watched that soccer tournament and said it's fast. The girls play hard. They tackle hard. They get up. But everything that they don't like, mass confrontation surrounding the referee, it wasn't in that tournament. So as referees, we had to evolve, right? So the pace of the game has increased, like, just in my career, like, exponentially so if i talk about women's soccer exponentially the the speed the the players they there's more professional leagues which means we have to adapt we have to adapt our positioning our fitness our preparation i think there's a lot more investment and recognition of the role of referees in all leagues today right there's you know we've come out of covid where we're miss we've lost a lot of referees and leagues are realizing that they don't have enough referees to to run their leagues Mm -hmm. we're losing we were losing referees because of you know about the abuse and the and and the dissent and so there's you know a lot more investment into trying to deal with those issues as well um i'm not saying it's perfect i'm not saying that it's fixed any of that but i think there is this recognition that without referees the leagues will fail and so there is more investment i think there's there's far more opportunities for referees there's many more tournaments um you know i think it's a kind of open for everybody you know if you want to if you want to try a local you just want to be a local referee that's great you want to do state provincial that's great so i think that investment has really helped refereeing and i think it's made people and professional referees in the united states professional leagues you know in canada and the us gives people a goal mm-hmm. right like, you know, if I think when I first, first started, you know, there was, there was a semi-professional league, there wasn't a professional league. And, and I also didn't see myself, 
even though I knew I could referee men's soccer, there were no females refereeing in those leagues. So, you know, now you see those people, you see, you know, the Tories, the Katie's, the Felicia's, all of those people on the field, you see the girls going to the world cup. So, you know, anything's possible. And that's from a, a, a male, female perspective, it's everybody, right. There's, I think more opportunities um, now as well. Yeah, no doubt. So along the female line of things, and we had a couple questions that came in that were talking about gender specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going along the gender line. So um, both kind of Isaac from Kansas and uh, Julie as well here asks, you know, kind of what are the, some of the challenges you face um, being a female referee? And then what is kind of like the most challenging aspect and how do you approach those? Sure. So I think I've been really lucky in the sense that I've had a lot of support at every level that I've entered into from coaches and players and, and, and and that kind of thing. But I do, what was always the most frustrating is when I arrived at the field as a female referee, they always thought it was my first game at that level. Like it didn't matter how many times I refereed in like the USL, I did the USL final the year before. And they're like, you know, you, because you, you just didn't see the teams enough Mm -hmm. for them. It wasn't like you were refereeing that same team every you know, every week you were getting all these teams visiting because we were only refereeing in Canada. So I was only seeing those few teams that were coming in from the U.S. once in a while. And so it was always like we have a we have a female referee was the first question. And then, you know, it was always like a joke. Is this your, is this your first game? And I remember one time in anticipation for the World Cup, we had a TV camera come out and they were kind of following me. And I said, oh, they're only following me because today is my first game. And like the the Canadian team knew that that was a joke, but the American team kind of looked like, oh no, like <laughs> is, is she serious, right? So I always found that a little bit frustrating because you know we always say you have to prove yourself every game, right? Which is true of a male or female referee. You go out on the field, they want you to be the best referee that you can be and be able to manage the game. They're going to challenge any referee for the first ten or fifteen minutes. But I always felt like it was a little bit extra for me because they were always thought it was you know you know, they would, they would just question and question. I'd be like, this is not my first game. Can we just move on? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always found that a little bit challenging. And of course there, you know, there are archaic view, you know, archaic gender views that some people hold. I, you know, yes, I've heard them before. I wouldn't say they're the thing that sticks out the most in, in, in my brain. I've always tried to focus on the positives and the people who have supported me, but it's difficult. And I think it's the r- most difficult when you're young. Again, when you're an adult and you and you have experience and you have self confidence and you know and I and I've been at this level before, it's easier. But when you're a young a young referee, male or female, and you walk out on that pitch, it's tough, and it can be extra tough when you hear all the parents saying, "Is is that chick refereeing?" You know, like that kind of thing. It can be really difficult, and you hear it. That's the problem, right? You hear it, and it becomes really personal, and you do feel a little bit alone. You know, that even as a FIFA referee, I hated that walk from the parking lot of a local pitch, like across the, 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 the field to go to the other side, just because I just felt like everybody was like, you know, Oh, Oh. And then you hear all the the guys kind of chit chatting on the back. It's really difficult. Um, So that's, that's the hard part. And that's where I think, you know, the community and people supporting and hopefully you being able to have some people maybe there to watch the game and some mentoring is really important. Exactly. And Gordy, like in the team here, they help instruct these classes um, with the entry level clinics. And I think one of the biggest thing we're seeing now is that there's more, you know, you know, female referees, especially at the younger ages. Um, and this is great. But one of the problems is that parents 
have been an issue, you know, not only in our domestic leagues, but all around the country, I'm sure. And these young referees, of course, they don't have that experience or that self-confidence maybe at that point. And it's their mm-hmm. first weekend, you know, they're out there to make some money, have some fun, give back to the game that they love. But unfortunately we have stories of young, you know, female referees getting yelled at by parents and, you know, whatever the case may be, but then they quit yeah. because, you know, and that's why I think it's important for us to continue educating not only, you know, referees, but also parents and helping grow those, you know, that confidence in younger female referees too. Absolutely. Well, and that connects to our final uh, audience participant question here. Uh, Ryan from Wisconsin writes in as a male, as a male referee, he wants to know just basically any tips, anything that he can do from your perspective to support female referees, especially the young female, the ones you're talking about. And and really probably kind of the way you answered the previous question, it almost doesn't matter the gender. It's just all of the developmental needs of a young referee. But I think his question is specific. And he follows it up by asking or stating there aren't very many female referees. And when he gets a chance to work with them, he wants them to have fun and he wants them to come back. So you have thoughts for Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, first of all, this being a supportive crew is really really important, right? Working together, having that pregame, really supporting one another during the match. You know, if, if the female is working as an assistant referee and, you know, there's players coming after them, just doing normal referee things and, and protecting your, your teammates. And, and, you know, I think mentorship is a really important thing. So, you know, asking the referee after if they have questions, if, you know, providing that support, Hey, is there anything I did in the game that you have a question about, you know, do you have any questions for me? You know, knowing that they're a new referee, I really think the way for us to keep referees is mentoring is having, you know, having that person that's there to help them because, you know, when you, when you have a game, when you're by yourself and it's gone bad, you know, you have to you get in the car, you drive home. It takes forever. Like really having somebody there right away, it would be really helpful for some of those young referees. So being that person who, you know, is just supportive. You know, I think for me, I was really lucky in that um, they really treated, like, I also didn't want to be treated differently. I right. wanted to earn, I wanted to earn every, every opportunity that I received. I wanted to earn it. I wanted to be, and I still, I still do. I want to be the best referee for that game. So, you know, don't, don't do me favors, but, but be there to support me as a teammate would. And don't, you know, I'm not trying to take, you know, sometimes they would say, if I got a game, they would say, oh, you're taking my game from me. I'm not, t- I want to be the best referee. So you come watch me referee, watch, see, see if, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do a good game. I'm going to be assessed by the same assessors as you and run the same fitness test as you. But I think just being a good teammate, being a good mentor um, and just being supportive is probably the the best thing that we can do. I would think the concern with most is that they don't want it to come across as um, favoritism or like special treatment. I, I don't feel that way when I work with female officials. It's like, I want to treat you just like, I mean, it does gender shouldn't matter, right? Exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. And so mm-hmm. I think that's probably probably what Ryan is hinting at some of the challenges of that. And I think you've articulated that well. Of, yeah. Uh, and I think, and I think too, you know, <laughs> I think in all sports, so whether you're a referee or whether you're an athlete, there's a period of time that where, you know, friends and teammates and enjoyment is really important. And that, you know, we've seen that in, in women's sports where we get, where we lose a lot of athletes, right? At 16, 17, 18 years old, 
they really value kind of the camaraderie and the teammate and being fun. So, you know, like you said, it's not about doing anything extra special. It's just about being a good teammate and working, especially a good teammate for a young referee who's up and coming. If you have experience, you need to be able to share that experience in a positive way. Talk about the opportunities, right? Nobody, there are enough opportunities. If you worry about doing your job well and supporting others and being friendly, you know, and being the best referee for that game, it's not about hoping somebody else does something wrong or anything like that, right? It's about create, if you're a good person, be a good person. That's what, like I always say, a good referee is a good person off the pitch. FIFA looks for people who can contribute to the team on and off the pitch. And I think, so I think that's the, what I would say to people, just be a good teammate, contribute to the positive, you know, joy of refereeing. That's why we do it. Right. Yeah, exactly. We're all family. So exactly. That's right. So, so good. Well, unfortunately we're coming to a close and I warned you that this question was coming, um, but this is, you get the final word. You get to say whatever you need to say to help you sleep tonight, but you are fairly sleep deprived from flights. So like you said, you'll probably sleep well anyway. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think for me, one, have fun. If you're, if you're not having fun, you know, this is a difficult profession to not enjoy what you're doing. But, um, I guess my, I, what I, what I, the way I approach games all the time, but I probably didn't hit home until the last couple of years is referee every game, like somebody's watching you mm. and like, it could be your last because you never know, you know, if somebody watches you, what that opportunity can be. And I'm proof of that from, you know, from, uh, from my kind of how I got discovered and then, you know, referee, like you never know when you're going to get another, another opportunity or what's going to happen. So enjoy it, have fun. But, uh, but yeah, work hard. That's great. Thank you so much. Yes. Caroline, thank you so, so much. We, we are so appreciative of your time. This was awesome. Thanks guys. The Check Complete podcast is brought to you in part by JF Consulting Tax Preparation and Bookkeeping. Taxes suck. We can help. Visit jfcokc.com. We're so thankful that you've taken time to watch slash listen to the Check Complete podcast, episode 13 to be exact. I want to give a shout out first of all to Carol Ann Chouinard for her time. We are so appreciative of that. Um, I know she had an early flight the morning that we taped this and so we recorded it later in the evening. So we're very, very appreciative of her time. What a wonderful interview to sit down and chat with her. I Absolutely. was yeah. sad to have to end that. She was um, great. Yeah, so we'll we'll continue to see her succeed at uh, the highest level as a VAR, a VMO. Um, so thank you again, Carol Ann. We appreciate that. Anthony, Tony, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a part of the team and hopefully you'll be back. Yes, we will have you back. It's a very rigorous process, but we'll have you back <laughs> for sure. So um, we do want to say, you know, if there's those that would be interested in following your journey, uh, and we'll tag you in some of this, but we can also give you a chance to shout out your little uh, social yeah. medias. Appreciate, yeah, I was going to say Instagram is Anthony underscore Sebelevsky 37. But if you're um, looking for any tips and um, want to see any, um, you need any help with the fitness th side of things, uh, follow my Instagram and TikTok fitness page at t.fitness365. There so you go. Check it out. So common spelling there on Sobolevsky. Yes. If you're wanting that, you know how to do that. So. <laughs> You'll put it in the description. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, we will. Very good. Um, yes. And make sure that you like and subscribe to our podcast. So if you're watching on YouTube right now. It's right up here. Wherever. We're not really sure Maybe. where the button is. Well, it will be somewhere. I'm going to say, I'm going to decree. He's going to guess where you think? Right here. Boom. Mark will make it happen. Press that like button. 
and turn on those notifications. So anytime we post, you're you're there. Turn on those noties. Yes, sir. Is that a, is that a thing? Noties, yeah. Well, I'm 32. I don't know any slang. Like terms. and subscribe. Drop a comment, especially. And if you have any negative feedback, please write it on the back of item number 2027, the small but mighty double action pump. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, get um, get right back to it. Yeah, we will. We we'll definitely will. Absolutely. Um, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. At check underscore complete on Twitter and Instagram. Check Complete Podcast on Facebook. Info at checkcompletepodcast.com on the old email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have comments or suggestions for things for future clips, um, we will be announcing our next guest very shortly for episode 14. Look for that announcement and send in your questions in advance for that guest. So we're super excited uh, to bring you another episode very soon. We hope you've enjoyed this episode as always. Tony, thank you again, brother. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Yeah. Stay safe out there. Uh, if you're out refereeing, have a lot of fun. Continue to build that community. Be kind to one another. Thanks for listening.